Welcome back to Monday Chats with Jen, the one and only podcast helping you understand legal concepts as applied in our day-to-day lives. In today's special episode, we'll discuss the contract of deposit and a contract of lease in the context of an Airbnb business. As the holidays approach, I'm sure most of you have already booked your flights and accommodations to find a perfect place to celebrate the Yuletide season. Some of you have already booked hotel rooms, but for those who might find hotels too expensive, you might prefer booking an Airbnb. For those who are new to Airbnb or haven't heard of Airbnb yet, it's a sharing economy platform that connects hosts who provide an accommodation, usually through their own homes, and guests who seek short-term lodging. With just a click on the Airbnb website or a tap on the Airbnb app, people looking for an accommodation can browse through thousands of host listings available. You can select your preferred booking date, location, and even your budget. Airbnb will show you available accommodations with your given criteria. Once you've chosen your preferred accommodation, you can then send a message to your host. Your Airbnb host gets notified and accepts your request to book your property. Once both parties agree on a booking, the guests can confirm the booking and pay for it through the Airbnb website or app. Airbnb then holds the payment in escrow until the guest has arrived at the, co- at the accommodation and releases it to the host 24 hours after the guest has checked in. Sounds simple, right? For the most part, yes, the Airbnb business model is easy to understand. It involves Airbnb as the platform and service provider, the host who provides the accommodation or property, and the guest who has a need for such accommodation service. So you have three parties in this business model. The complications arise in identifying the obligations and duties among and between the parties. One might think that Airbnb is much like your ordinary hotel accommodation. In fact, Airbnb is frequently placed in the same category as hotels. However, its peer-to-peer services do not fall neatly into traditional legal categories. Airbnb's association with the hospitality industry raises questions about how to deal with safety regulations and other industry rules that bind traditional companies and accommodations. To illustrate, a corporation or a sole proprietor who owns and operates a hotel is liable as a hotel keeper and depositary under the new civil code. However, in an Airbnb transaction where a room or space in a residential apartment is offered by an Airbnb host, who is only a tenant of that building, the analysis is not as clear-cut as it is in a traditional two-party transaction. As Airbnb grew, a common issue that concerns both hosts and guests alike revolve around safety, particularly in case of theft, damage, or loss of personal effects of a guest in an Airbnb accommodation. Now, the safety concern prompts an inquiry onto the liability of an Airbnb host in such a situation. As I've mentioned earlier, Today's podcast episode is quite special as I've invited a dear friend of mine who recently booked in an Airbnb accommodation. He's now seeking our advice to determine if he can hold his Airbnb host liable for the loss of his personal belongings during his stay. Welcome to our podcast, Zach. 
Good morning to you and your audience, Shami. It's been a long time. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Zach? Uh, pretty average, you know, I've been doing errands even if I woke up early. But uh, anyway, I'm just glad to be here. And thank you for inviting me. Okay, so I've invited you because I want to know about your experience with a recent Airbnb listing. Because you've told me over the mm-hmm. phone that you've booked an accommodation last week. So tell me about your experience. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so uh, just last week, actually, I went to Tagaytay with a couple of friends. And we were able to book this Airbnb property for a fairly cheap price uh, for about three days and two nights. Uh, it was a fairly new property listing with uh, a few reviews. However, most of the hotels around the area were already booked. So we gave this Airbnb property a chance, considering the price, of course. You know, you know me. Uh, that means a lot. So I would say uh, that the property we booked was very, I may call it, uh, value for money as compared to our previous um, stays and other BNB, Airbnb properties around the area. So when we arrived on the property, we, of course, were welcomed by the host. And the host actually lives in the same property we booked. And there were two houses um, on the lot separated by this, I'd say, it's a really beautiful garden. (laughs) And the first house covered in white painting is where uh, the Airbnb host and his family lives. I think uh, it's his family. Um, so they have an extra space, which they listed in Airbnb, and that is where we stayed. Um, it's actually just a room and, uh, it's not a whole house as you can imagine, but it's quite a big room. And that room is actually connected to the, um, house of, uh, the Airbnb host. So even though we stayed there for uh, around three days, we did not backlight. Because um, we had so much stuff. And these are my high school friends. So imagine it's been a long time since we saw each other. And that's why we brought a lot of luggage, like including our uh, laptops, cameras, uh, food, booze, and you can name it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, my friends, of course, also brought their own bags. And uh, um, well, you know, considering they have a background of um, being vloggers and I call them TikTokers, if that's uh, a word. Anyway, so since we were bringing um, valuable personal things, we asked our host where we can store them, which everyone of us w- um, will do, right? Uh, and he advised us that if we plan to leave our things in our room when we um, explore Tagaytay, uh, we should keep them placed either on the safe deposit box um, that can be locked or inside our cabinet with the lock as well. So we did. Then um, when we entered the room, we felt like we booked a hotel room. So yeah, it's really, really nice. And value for money is what I mentioned. The ambience was perfect. And we were provided with towels and clean sheets and even free shampoo and lotion. So it's really complete. <laughs> and the experience was really like in a hotel. And the property even had a swimming pool as part of um, the booking price we paid. But, you know, imagine it's already uh, December or late November when we booked. And uh, that's why it was really cold and I didn't really swam. So anyway, going back, um, 
so the following morning, we had breakfast. And uh, it was cooked actually by the host's wife. And uh, we went on about our day. Since it would be impractical and hassle to bring our laptops and cameras every, every time we go out, we left them inside the cabinet as advised right, by our host. And we sometimes even use the safe deposit box where we leave our watches when, uh, when they swim. And uh, I just, you know, hang out with them around the pool area and, you know, drink a few beers <laughs> and such. So, yeah, uh, we trust that while we're away, our belongings would be kept safe inside since, again, we made sure that we locked it. So fast forward to our last night in the property when we went back inside our room and uh, opened the cabinet and safe. We were quite surprised well we were really really surprised to find out that my friend's watch that was left inside the safe was already gone and um just to give a bit of context earlier that day we went um out again when um they, they were swimming and you know i just uh hang out with them and that's why my friend uh left his watch inside the safe so some of our things were also taken including my laptop uh, and uh, my friend's DSLR camera. Yes, yeah, so we left all these locked inside the cabinet, but somehow it uh, was broken, uh, like someone tried to pick the locks. And there were no signs of a break-in, but when we checked the door handle, uh, it seemed like someone also tried to pick the lock. We went, of course, to our Airbnb first, uh, Airbnb host, rather, uh, to report our stolen property. And uh, I asked if they had a CCTV camera, but there was none. And the Airbnb host then told us that they had left their house earlier that day. And they had no idea, of course, of who took it. It was their time or first time to encounter robbery on their own property. Although there were incidents of robbery in the area in the past few days. Had the Airbnb host told us about the incidents of robbery in their area, uh, I would have, um, well, thought twice about leaving my personal belongings, and I would, uh, I would also advise my friends to just, you know, bring our things outside while, you know, they went to the pool. So, yeah, uh, with that, we tried to get a refund from the host to compensate our stolen property even if we just get the equivalent value of the booking price. Because, um, you know, I, I, we computed and <laughs> the price of our belongings are way too high or compared to, as compared to um, the value of the booking. But um, surprisingly, well, I was surprised because I think that that's the bare minimum. But yeah, surprisingly, the host wouldn't agree to it. He kept on saying that the robbery was outside of our control and uh, that he couldn't be held liable that's what he mentioned for the loss of our things so yeah uh, is that how it really goes that is very unfortunate to hear i'm so sorry that you lost your laptop and your camera but actually so worry not because based on your narration of facts you can actually hold your airbnb host liable in such a situation on the basis of article 1998 in relation to Article 2001 of the New Civil Code, 
as well as Article 102 of the Revised Penal Code. However, before we go into the details of that, we'll first determine the nature of the relationship between an Airbnb host and guests, as this would determine the legal obligations and rights of both parties. There are actually two views on this. First view is that the relationship is one of a landlord-tenant, or that um, the second view is characterized by an innkeeper and guest relationship. If it's the latter, then the rules on necessary deposit will apply with respect to the personal effects brought in by guests in an Airbnb accommodation. However, if it's the former, which is the landlord-tenant relationship, then a landlord's liability with respect to the loss of the things is limited, as will be discussed later on. So Zach, what do you think? Should the Airbnb host be treated as a landlord or an innkeeper? Mm, honestly speaking, um, given that you know I was an inconvenienced guest and I wouldn't be really too technical about it, I can see both uh, apply to Airbnb hosts, but uh, again, as an Airbnb user or customer and guest, I think it would be favorable to me if you treat the Airbnb host as an uh, innkeeper, in because just like what he said, I can hold him liable as a depositary. It's actually a good answer. Before we solve that issue, I'll first discuss the principal features of a contract of deposit and a contract of lease their distinctions, and the legal consequences of characterizing the host-guest relationship under each type of contract. So first we go on to the contract of lease. A contract of lease involves a lessor who binds himself to grant temporarily the enjoyment or use of a thing or to render some work or service to the leasee who undertakes to pay rent, compensation, or price therefore. Under a contract of lease, the relationship between the parties arises by agreement, express or implied, pursuant to which a tenancy or lease is created in favor of the leasee or tenant. The primary purpose of a contract of lease is for the temporary enjoyment or use of the thing by the leasee in consideration of the undertaking to pay rent therefore. And under a contract of lease, the Airbnb host, who are also owners of the Airbnb property, may be considered as landlords while the guests can be considered as their tenants. However, for Airbnb hosts who do, not own the Airbnb, who do not own the Airbnb property themselves and they're merely tenants thereof, they may be considered as sublessers, whereas the guests can be considered as subleases under Article 1650 of the New Civil Code. Now, Article 1654 of the New Civil Code enumerates the three principal obligations of the landlord or the lessor. First is the delivery of the property, second, making of necessary repairs, and third, keeping the leasee in peaceful and adequate enjoyment. As landlords, the host impliedly warrants that the guests or tenants use and enjoyment of the Airbnb property will not be disturbed and that the premises are fit for habitation. The landlord must maintain the premises in a habitable condition and may be held liable for injury to persons or property owing to a defect in the premises. The landlord's obligation to maintain the lease premises arises when the acts term legal trespass, disturb, dispute, or place difficulties in the tenant's peaceful and adequate enjoyment of the lease premises that in some manner or other cast um, doubt upon the right of the landlord to execute the lease. And the landlord must answer for such legal trespass. 
a host of sales and the performance of his obligations as a lesser shall be subject to indemnity for the losses and the damages caused thereby. As compared to hotel keepers under a contract of necessary deposit, the landlords owe a lower duty to the tenants staying on their property from many of the types of injuries and dangers that might be faced by short-term guests, and they cannot be strictly held liable for the loss or damage of the personal effects of their tenants unless the loss or damage is the result of their failure to comply with their obligations under Article 1654 of the New Civil Code. So the landlords are subject to liability only for the conditions about um, which they are aware or they could have discovered with the exercise of reasonable care or are given notice by the tenant. On the other hand, a contract of deposit involves the depositor delivering a thing to the depositary who receives the thing belonging to another with the obligation to safely keep it and return the same. As distinguished from a contract of lease, the primary purpose of the parties for entering into a contract of deposit is for the safekeeping of the thing. The deposit may be constituted judicially or extrajudicially, and an extrajudicial deposit can either be voluntary or necessary. So a voluntary deposit um, that's made by the free will of the depositor, while in a necessary deposit, um, this freedom of choice is absent. So Articles 99. 1996 and 1997 of the New Civil Code mention two kinds of necessary deposits. And the third kind is that made by travelers and hotels or inns under Article 1998 and that made by the passengers with common carriers under Article 1754. Now, considering the relationship of a host and a guest in an Airbnb accommodation, the Airbnb host may be akin to a hotel or innkeeper under Article 1998 1998 of the New Civil Code. And under said provision, the keepers of hotels or inns shall be responsible as depositaries for the personal effects brought in by their guests, provided that the following elements concur. First, keepers of hotel or inns must have been previously informed about the effects brought by the guests. And second, the guests have taken precautions prescribed regarding their safekeeping. The duty owed to guests in a hotel is grounded in common law, wherein hotel and innkeepers are strictly held liable for injury to guests and have a duty to accommodate, to render courteous treatment, to provide safe accommodations, and to protect guests from others. The obligations for hotel and innkeepers under common law are higher than the duty that an average person owes to a social guest in his or her home. So why do you think this is so, Zach? I think it's because a uh, hotel and uh, innkeepers in offering their accommodation to the public practically volunteer as depositaries. And as such, they should be subject to an extraordinary degree of responsibility for, first, of course, the protection and second, safety of travelers who have no um, alternatives but to rely on the good faith and care of those with whom um, they take lodging, right? Definitely, I agree with you. And the Supreme Court also agrees with you on that. So in YHP Realty Corp versus Court of Appeals, the Supreme Court ruled that the hotel business is imbued with public interest, which demands that the hotel keepers are bound to provide not only lodging for hotel guests, but also security to their persons and belongings. 
the law does not allow such duty to the public to be negated or diluted by any contrary stipulation that ordinarily appear in prepared forms imposed by hotel keepers on guests for their signature. Furthermore, innkeepers, by the very nature of their business, have supervision and control of their inns and the premises thereof. As a matter of fact, authorities are to the effect that it is not necessary in order to hold an innkeeper liable that the effects of the guests be actually delivered to him or his employees. It is enough that they are within the inn. Hence, the hotel and innkeeper will be held liable when the loss is caused by his servants or employees as well as by strangers, provided that notice has been given and proper precautions taken, and when the loss is caused by the act of a thief or robber done without the use of arms and irresistible force. To some, generally speaking, a landlord is not responsible for safeguarding his tenant's property. This is because the exclusive possession of the premises is given over to the tenant, who, being in the better position to protect his property, has the responsibility of doing so. In contrast, a hotel or innkeeper may be held liable for the loss of, theft, or damage to the guest's property because the hotel business is imbued with public interest, which imposes on the innkeeper an affirmative duty to exercise reasonable care in the protection of the guest and to protect the guest against third parties. Now, going back to the earlier question of whether we can treat the Airbnb host as an innkeeper, my answer is also in the affirmative because of two things. First, under existing laws, the Airbnb accommodation itself can be considered a hotel or inn. And second, treating the Airbnb host as an innkeeper would truly reflect the party's expectations with regard to short-term accommodations as compared to a landlord. Civil Code Commentaries, as well as the Hotel Code, defines a hotel as a building, edifice, or premises, or a completely independent part thereof, which is used for the regular reception, accommodation, or lodging of travelers and tourists, and the provision of services incidental thereto for a fee. While a tourist inn is considered as a lodging establishment catering to transients, which does not meet the minimum requirements of an economy hotel. So, in common law, Hotels, inns, and taverns are all used to describe a house where travelers or others are entertained and furnished with food and lodging, and sometimes other conveniences as well. So, Zach, what do you think is the common feature of hotels and inns from this definition? Uh, I believe that the common feature uh, of a hotel or an inn is that um, it receives transient guests and provides lodging. So if we apply these definitions to the Airbnb uh, business model or model, an Airbnb accommodation can be considered a hotel or inn. Um, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Although an Airbnb often does not have the common facilities of a hotel, like a front office or reception desk, lounge, and recreational facilities such as gyms and swimming pools, it nonetheless serves the same purpose as a hotel or an inn receiving transient guests, and providing short-term accommodations for compensation. In this sense, the relationship between an Airbnb host and his guests most closely resembles that of an innkeeper and his guests insofar as the host agrees to provide short-term accommodations to travelers for a fee. Moreover, the kind of structure, whether a building like in most traditional types of accommodations, 
or a house like in an Airbnb property is not determinative for the classification of an accommodation as a hotel or an inn. In fact, when we look at Article 102 of the Revised Penal Code, it uses the word house in referring to the guest lodging with respect to the innkeeper's subsidiary liability for the restitution of goods taken by robbery or theft. The character of a place as an inn or hotel is determined by the types of facilities available and services offered and not by the type of structure or the surrounding property. Thus, an establishment that provides accommodations to travelers for a fee may be properly characterized as an inn regardless of its physical structure or a name. So that's settled already. Now we go on to the second point on the expectations of the parties and an Airbnb transaction. The treatment of the parties' relationship as that of a landlord and tenant fails to account for the actual interest of the parties in a room-sharing relationship. Treating Airbnb guests as a leasee under a contract of lease would assume that the guests desire or need a leasehold interest in a particular Airbnb listing, which is not the true case in an Airbnb model. As a sharing economy platform, Airbnb connects hosts with an extra accommodation space and guests who seek a different experience. So they bring guests into a new and unfamiliar environment. So in booking an Airbnb property, Airbnb guests are merely looking for a temporary roof over their heads and the potential insights of a local. They do not seek out permanent living quarters or a legal interest in property as a tenant. An Airbnb host's principal interest, similar to a hotel, is to earn a profit. As established earlier, the only difference between hotels and an Airbnb accommodation is that instead of providing hotel rooms, the host provides his private property. So the, host, um, the Airbnb host can be considered to have assumed the role of the hotel proprietor in a hotel business. Despite this difference in setting, the party's expectations remain largely unchanged in that the Airbnb guest's interest is to secure a safe and pleasant accommodation and enjoy the course of a stay, whereas the Airbnb host, in exchange for allowing the guest with the limited use of his private property, is interested in earning a profit. Because of this similarity in the interest and expectations, it is likely that the Airbnb host and guests intend to, en to enter into an innkeeper and guest relationship rather than that of a landlord and tenant. So when accommodations are made for short-term accommodations. Uh, I have a question. With that being said, so if an Airbnb host is considered an e uh, innkeeper, uh, what does it mean for me as an Airbnb guest? So Article 1998 of the New Civil Code provides that the positive effects made by travelers in hotels or inns shall also be regarded as necessary. The keepers of hotels or inns shall be responsible for them as depositary, provided that notice was given to them or to their employees of the effects brought by the guests, and that on the part of the latter, they take the, they take the precautions which said hotel keepers or their substitutes advice relative to the care and vigilance of their effects. Moreover, under Article 2001 of the New Civil Code, the act of a thief or robber who has entered the hotel is not being force majeure unless it is done with the use of arms or through an irresistible force. So given this, um, before the keepers of the hotels or the inns can be held responsible as depositaries regarding the effects of their guests, the following elements must concur. 
First, they have been previously informed about the effects brought by the guests. And second, the latter have taken the precautions prescribed regarding their safekeeping. So in your case, um, based on your narration earlier, all the elements are present. First, you have notified the Airbnb host about your personal belongings. In fact, you've asked him about um, where you can store your stuff. And second, you also place your things locked up inside a cabinet and the safe deposit box following the advice of your Airbnb host. Moreover, it must be noted here that the act of robbery was done without the use of arms or irresistible force. So the Airbnb host's argument that it was force majeure is untenable. Besides, the host notes for a fact that there were instances of robbery around the area uh, previously, and he has failed to mention this to you and your friends before you decided to leave your things inside your room. And although lock in the cabinet, so the host is responsible for their loss as an innkeeper depository. Oh, great. Great. Uh, that's very clear to me. Uh, you know what? While you were discussing, uh, it actually made me think that home sharing arrangements uh, in an Airbnb accommodation actually pose the same safety risks for uh, guests as a traditional form of accommodation. So why can't they be treated uh, as, let's say, a hotel or innkeepers? I very much agree with you. In the context of existing laws, the relationship of Airbnb hosts and guests with respect to the deposit of personal effects of the guests should be governed by the contract of necessary deposits under the new civil code, thus imposing a higher standard of care on an Airbnb host as an innkeeper as opposed to a landlord under a contract of lease. When we consider the nature of an Airbnb business, the Airbnb accommodation can be considered as a hotel or an inn, and an analysis of the party's expectations would also lead to the conclusion that an Airbnb host and guest intend to enter into an innkeeper and guest relationship rather than that of a landlord and tenant, when the accommodations are made for short-term accommodations. Since the lodging industry is imbued with public interest, treating the Airbnb hosts as micro-hoteliers and imputing innkeeper liability on them would create incentives for hosts to provide safe and habitable accommodations and accordingly promote a consumer-focused room-sharing economy while encouraging its potential. So I guess that's about it for this episode. So I would like to thank our special guest, Zach. I hope you were enlightened. Very much. You know, I learned a lot from you and you uh, honestly explained everything um, very clear uh, to me. So yeah, uh, thank you as well for having me and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you as well to our listeners for tuning in to this episode. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of Monday Chats with Chan, the one and only podcast helping you understand legal concepts as applied in your day-to-day life. Goodbye and happy holidays. Mm-hmm.